Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth seeking. I'm your host today, Cassidy Cardone, and for episode 20, we are here to discuss how, as healthcare marketers, we can play a role in the fight against climate change and partner with our clients to embrace sustainability in our work. So I am joined today here with Zoe Siegel of McCann Global Health. So Zoe, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Cassidy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Zoe, you and I know each other. We worked together all the time. But for those listening who don't have the pleasure of working with you, could you just start a little bit telling us about your role at McCann Global Health and why you're here with us today to talk about this important topic? Okay, great. Definitely. So I'm a strategist with McCann Global Health, and I have my master's in public health with a focus on the intersection of climate and health. So I'm really interested in figuring out ways to talk about climate change and how everything we do impacts the planet while remaining optimistic about our future because there is a lot we can do. So that expertise has led me here today to kind of talk to you all about what we all can do in this fight. Awesome. And I love how you mentioned that intersection of climate and health, because I think that really sums up why we're here today. So I know we're going to talk about climate change, sustainability, and then the role that we as a healthcare industry can play. But before we go there, could we just take a step back and maybe at the very basic level, could you define for us what the term climate change means and why it's such an urgent issue today? Yeah, definitely. So climate change really refers to long-term shifts in temperatures and weather patterns over time. Burning of fossil fuels has generated greenhouse gas emissions that act a little bit like a blanket wrapping around the earth, if you think of it that way. So trapping the sun's heat in and then raising those temperatures. It's incredibly urgent today because we all see it every day. It's an ongoing disaster that over time has already endangered many of our friends and families in various locations around the world and just our natural environments. So we see it show up in floods, different wildfires, such as the ones in California, extreme heat all around the East Coast as well, and the list goes on. And it's really urgent and worth addressing in every aspect because we have so much proof that it exists, that it's real, that it's pressing, And on the bright side, we have the tools and the minds to really mitigate that harm. Yeah, we certainly are seeing it today. We're recording this on a hot day in August on the East Coast, and we've had such a heat wave this summer. So I think we're all starting to think a little bit more about the changes in our environment and how that's impacting us. So you mentioned a couple of things like rising temperatures. We're looking at Mm -hmm. extreme weather, and that's kind of at the baseline what climate change is. But how do these shifts impact public health? Like at the human level, how is this affecting us? Yeah, that's a great question because I think it brings us to where do we fit in in this and why should I care as somebody, you know, living in a city and enjoying the outdoors and feeling pretty okay about my future? So when you think of rising temperatures, you can then think of severe weather, and we see that in the summer. So that can lead to different lightning storms, heat waves, big thunderstorms, flooding, which can lead to injuries, fatalities, and definitely mental health impacts. We see that a lot with rising temperatures. 
crime rates go up in the summer due to heat waves and higher temperatures. Mm -hmm. As well as when you think of air pollution, you can think of, okay, the air is dirty, but what is that really doing to us? It increases levels of asthma. It makes it harder to breathe for all different types of vulnerable populations, as well as increasing cardiovascular disease over time. So it really does vary on how it impacts our human health, but it's doing so across the world. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned is really important, like almost that idea of why should I care? Because being someone who works in healthcare marketing, being a strategist in my everyday role, it's hard for us to think about how can I make a difference in such a massive global issue. But you did point out a couple of really important impacts that it's really coming down to our level and affecting our health. So yeah, I think that definitely. helps it bring it you know, closer to home in, in ways that we are really seeing the impacts on the ground. Mm -hmm. And you hear it a lot too. I mean, people, at least in New York City, are talking about how hot it is. There were heat warnings midday. And obviously it's August and July on the East Coast, so we're used to heat. But the heat has been way worse than in prior years. Yeah, totally. I think everyone's noticing that. And thinking about that idea of, of why should we care? And we know it's not one person's responsibility to tackle this. It's obviously everyone's in some way. So thinking about our role in the industry and in healthcare, and it's not one person's responsibility to tackle that. It's everyone's, as we've kind of talked about. But thinking about the business and the corporate world, how do you see mm -hmm. those sectors playing a role in driving action here? This is a really fun question because it brings to light all of the opportunistic potential that these businesses do have in fighting climate change. I think I think of it in three ways. First would be really to think about advocacy for regulations and policy. So ensuring that businesses have the political will and the political action to make a difference. If the consumer is driving change, then the business has to adapt to that in order to stay afloat in economics. And then with that will come politicians to act and incite that change. I also think, secondly, engaging consumers through collective action is really important. When we bring consumers into this, when we make them feel heard and special and like they can make a difference and be part of this, which they are part of this, then the businesses, businesses benefit from engaging with those consumers, as well as, again, driving action and taking responsibility and ownership. And then lastly, businesses really do have the potential to respond to climate needs at scale. Obviously, these issues are so grand and the cost is often so grand. But when a business has that potential and acts in order to respond at scale, then the two go hand in hand and it can really push forward that action and spur momentum too across other businesses. That's great. And I love how we're finding the fun in it already, <laughs> because I think once we hear how overwhelming this challenge is, um, I, I think you pointed out some really interesting ways that that businesses should be thinking about it and how I, what I'm hearing too is there's not one way. So, you know, um, for example, you don't have to do all three of those, even though that would be great, but I could see certain businesses and areas leaning into either of those three ideas that you just mentioned and still kind of making a difference in that way. Definitely. I know you've done a lot of research on this topic. Have you seen any great examples of businesses really creating meaningful impact on climate change? Yes, yeah, so many, which is really awesome. 
There are a few smaller ones that are probably not well known in the food tech startup space. So these different companies, biotech companies, so to speak, mainly based on the West Coast, focus on really directly addressing the issue of consumption and food system habits. So I'll just give a shout out. There's a company called Daring, which creates plant-based chicken, which is really interesting. And then there's a company called Mush Labs. So that's a biotech company trying to figure out the next generation of sustainable foods based on using mushrooms. So those are two examples of really interesting companies that are actively and completely immersed in fighting climate change and making a difference. And then another really great example that all of us have probably heard of is Patagonia. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of my best in class example when you think of a company fighting climate change. And really an important part of this is thinking about with any science-based target, it's really important to have a company address all aspects of their activities and production and manufacturing. So a company can't just focus on the product to be green. The whole system really should be focusing on that. And then the product will be green. So kind of working backwards, obviously, it's not the easiest way to go. But Patagonia does that really well. One example that I think is worth mentioning is that 87% of Patagonia's materials are recycled. So that's a really high number, and it's because they really do attack the real source of emissions. And they've done that by advocating loudly for policies to take into account what companies are doing and how they're impacting the planet and its people. And another one that's really interesting is In the past few years, 100% of the electricity needs for Patagonia production and sales and stores in the U.S. were met with renewable electricity. So that goes to say that it's a company that is doing the really hard work of fighting climate change to the best of their ability through all sources. You know, the retailer in Manhattan knows about these issues. The supply chain in Indonesia is very aware and is paid accurately. So I just think it's really important to highlight a company like this just to make sure that we all know that one, it's possible because the task is so daunting. And then two, it takes everyone to be part of this, a clothing company to what we'll get to eventually, of course, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, that's amazing. And I I think that's such a great example with with Patagonia and just seeing how they're really taking such a 360 approach. I mean, it seems like almost every angle of their business is like, how can we be sustainable? How can we make sure that this is going to benefit our environment in some way? And I think that's that's a huge question and, and definitely really great to see that as a consumer too. Right. It makes consumers excited. I think that obviously with that, Patagonia's products are quite expensive, but you know where they're coming from and you know how they're made. And I think you're aware of this, but you can resell your products to them and they will recycle the material and then give it back to you. So nothing is going to waste, which is really an important component of all of this going forward. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great example, Zoe. And then, you know, you mentioned, so we talked about the clothing industry and how Patagonia is really leading the way there. And you mentioned a couple of other leaders in the food space. So I'm wondering now how we can think about this in the context of our industry. So healthcare, pharmaceutical companies, 
So coming into this and for those listening, sustainability and our industry might not seem like a very obvious mix, right? But I think what we've seen in the past couple of years is that pharmaceutical companies have really played such a powerful role in this recent crises, you know, even beyond the pharmaceutical realm, just thinking about healthcare in general. So mm-hmm. when we think about that role in the COVID-19 pandemic, I think that was just showing us kind of really the power that when everyone kind of gets together and focuses on an issue, we can really work together to overcome that. So what do you think about how this healthcare sector has responsibility to address sustainability? Is that something that you see as an opportunity? Totally. I think it's one of the coolest opportunities that has not necessarily been tapped into completely yet. I know that companies are touching on it and it's obviously talked about, but the connection is totally there. And I think that the way that I think about climate change and pharmaceutical companies and their intersection really lies in a lot of my research has been around air pollution. So it really lies in this idea that one in every five deaths every year is from air pollution. So that air pollution is linked to particulate matter that is produced from burning of fossil fuels. So that is an incredible burden that has been increasing over time due to climate change and of course creates so many more inequities. And at the same time, Pharmaceutical companies exist worldwide, and they're really businesses that are meant to research, develop, market, and pass out and distribute medicine, vaccine, drugs that really increase all of our lives and increase our longevity and our health. So if you put those two together and you think, okay, there's this incredible burden worldwide definitely impacting those who are more vulnerable as well as, okay, we have pharmaceutical companies with incredible missions and visions to really increase our livelihoods worldwide and make life better, then those two really should pair. Because when our planet is healthier, then all of us are healthier and we may need those vaccines, but drug costs will go down, hospital costs will go down, et cetera. So I think combining those two and figuring out a way where they can meet and collaborate can be really important going forward. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I think, like I said, maybe not the the most expected partnership, but I Mm -hmm. think there's something really cool there that is untapped in a way. Have you seen any examples so far of companies in the healthcare world that have already started to think this way and to really incorporate sustainability into their everyday practices? Yes, definitely. I think there are a few. There are two that come to mind at first. Both Novartis and Takeda have really started to do their part. And the really special thing about both of these two companies is that we have numbers. So it's really impactful, obviously, for all of us to see numbers and to actually know, okay, they're not just saying they're doing this. We can actually see tangibly that there's been progress and change. So Novartis has started to recycle and reuse different solvents that they use for their medicine production, which is common across all pharmaceutical companies. And those really do have a high greenhouse gas impact. But with what they've been doing by recycling, they can save and have been saving over 5 million tons of carbon dioxide. So that goal is supposed to be met by 2030. So we'll see in the next few years where they land on that. And I know that they're pretty transparent 
on their website with the numbers and the statistics, which is really interesting to follow. And then Takeda is another company. So by 2025, which is not too far away, they will have committed to reducing greenhouse gas emissions by over 40% from their levels six years ago. And then again, after meeting that, they'll reduce by 15%. So again, they have all of this information readily accessible if you just look it up. And it's really important too, because I think if Novartis and Takeda are at this level, it'll push other industries to do similarly and compete and act in a way to all collaboratively join forces in reducing their greenhouse gas impact, which obviously has a very, very big impact on the planet and our rising temperatures and all of our health. Yeah, it's great to see that this is really becoming a goal of so many bigger companies, especially the ones that we work with in our industry. So that's great to see it starting at that level with those big goals for the next 10 years or so. Yeah, it's very important too. I think it pushes everyone else to join in because otherwise... I think companies may feel like, is anyone else doing this? Is this going to hurt our revenue if somebody else isn't doing that? And I am. But if they're working together alongside each other and realizing the end goals are similar, they're still producing medicines, providing treatments around the world, just reducing waste while doing that is a win-win to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's encouraging too. Like if a bunch of industries are entering this realm then I think we're all more likely to get to the goal that we all share. So Mm -hmm. it's less like, I don't know, an ant climbing a mountain (laughs) and like a lot of everyone just working together, which is definitely inspiring. Definitely. We need that too. Yeah. So thinking about our role as healthcare marketers, we're not often the ones dealing with some of those bigger goals and those bigger decisions that are going to be impacting how these organizations function and and how that impacts sustainability and the climate. So from your perspective, Zoe, how do you think we can start to activate this sustainability practice as we partner with our clients in our role? That's a great question. Also, probably the hardest question that everyone is trying to figure out because, or I'd hope everyone, but maybe it's just us. (laughs) But I I do think that there are definitely ways to create more sustainable solutions And the backdrop of this is really important too, just to give us some hope, because I think the number is around 58% now of respondents to various surveys and consumer report and healthcare have said that they really do want organizations to change their practices. And they want brands to create awareness around problems such as climate change. They also want companies to stand through donating to nonprofits and other organizations that have, you know, social impact. So the push is there. The interest is there from consumers, which should be a plus to companies. And I think that partnering with clients to have discussions about what are methods to reduce use of fresh water in your production process? Are there ways to reduce waste and design greener products, greener vaccines? You know, those are all possible we have the minds, we have the technology, we have the interests. I think it it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of work, of course, but really having those conversations about introducing more transparency into the supply chain, taking accountability for various impacts over the years, really owning up to that and then moving forward. I think that would draw a lot of trust 
from consumers and trust from other companies to really push along the sustainability of various healthcare agencies and pharmaceutical companies. And so I think the really cool part is having these conversations as marketers who work in brands, we can really dictate those conversations and those partnerships because we can influence the conversation, influence the way of thinking, shift that conversation to make it seem less daunting and less scary, but really encourage it and show these companies and organizations and and large groups of individuals that there is so much power in these opportunities. So that's just something that's definitely really difficult to figure out, but also an exciting possibility. Well, that was a very tough question, but I think your answer was very exciting and a really great way to tackle it because I love how you brought that back to who we're always thinking about every day, which is the customer and kind of keeping up with customer needs and interests and also that shift towards, you know, wanting brands to stand for something and wanting them to play a role in the issues that our customers care about. So I think connecting this back to equity is really important. And that's one of the levers I think that brands and us working with brands can be thinking about. So really, really great points, Zoe. Yeah, I totally agree. Like you said, it's definitely inspiring because there's a lot of room for all of us to encourage solutions and really like play into the idea that products can be more effective. They can increase the integrity of a company and the health of, you know, the consumer or the patient. And so working together with those companies to make that possible is a really exciting piece. And it also will drive change, I think, in other aspects of the healthcare industry and hopefully other industries as well. Yeah, that's great. And I think too, as individuals on the consumer level, even like we can be thinking a little critically too about the brands that we work with, the brands that we give our money to and the way that we we spend and I think there's a lot that we can do basically with our decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's I think, a really great connection there. I agree. Yeah. And so I think we've talked about a lot too. You know, in general, we hear that there's a lot we can do on a personal level. You know, we talk about meatless Mondays and we <laughs> talk about, you know, re- reduce, reuse, recycle. And there's a lot we can do individually. But what do you think are, are like the larger business level actions that we as marketers and also consumers can do to start to create that ripple effect and and really enact real change? Yeah, that's a great point. I think that we can do a lot. I am somebody who would really hate to think that the fact that I'm not going to eat meat on a Monday is not making a difference. I think we can get into the nitty gritty and realize it's not solving climate change. But I do think that as consumers and marketers and individuals, when we're vocal about what matters to us, we pressure corporations to make change. I think that's just been shown throughout history that we really do have a voice. And especially as marketers and with McCann Global Health as well, we can really be an industry leader and have a platform to change that conversation And make sure that people know their power and corporations also have that power and we can dictate that. So some of the way that I think about it is really the importance of making climate change and environmental health and sustainability 
the number one issue instead of the 20th issue mm-hmm. in any way. So local government, your school board, your city council, big government, anything. When you think of it that way, when you're demanding action and you're saying, you know, this matters to me, we need more recycling bins, we need to eat less meat, I want my companies to use greener products, you're really demanding action. And regardless of how long it takes, that change will occur just given what the consumer and the collective individuals want. So I think that's a really cool way to look at it. And also just one that brings me some relief that we can have hope in all of this, since as we know, it's quite large and daunting and some days it's really scary. And then I also think another way to think about it is that moving away from fossil fuels, of course, is overwhelming. And even on a small individual scale, it's really hard to think about, but it's happening. And even if there's pain or discomfort or a lot of questions or uncertainty, we know that the benefit is really large and we know that it's even better. And we know that all of these companies we're speaking of whose mission is to improve the health of individuals by providing medicine and drugs, that can even get better and bigger because not only is our earth healthy, but more and more people will have access to those medications. So I think it's really about knowing the power we have, knowing the power we have to make corporations feel the pressure And combining all of that with knowledge and dialogue, and you can really feel that ripple effect that you're talking about and see the real change, even if it's 10 years or 15 years out, but hopefully it's tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great reminder that we do have a lot of power, both as consumers, but also working in communications and healthcare communications, because like you just mentioned, there's so much need for education that I think can kind of start a lot of these conversations and drive some of that action that we've been speaking about. Totally. I think that's the really fun part too. And it starts here. It starts with people listening and learning and then maybe being really interested by one component of it all because it's so big. And then you go from there and and try to figure out where your piece of the puzzle is. Amazing. Well, I'm so glad we got to talk today. First of all, that was the most refreshing conversation I think I've ever had about such a typically doom and gloom topic. So I really appreciate you bringing such great ideas and opportunities for us to be thinking about. And I'll definitely be considering this more in my day-to-day work and just looking for those areas where we can be critical, like I said, as consumers and marketers. I think there's a lot of exciting ideas you brought up. So that's awesome. Thank you, Zoe. Yes. Thanks, Cassidy. Yeah, this is great. I really appreciate the time and the platform. And hopefully this sparks a lot of conversation. I think it will. Well, thank you. And that's all we've got for today. So you can subscribe to Truth Well Spoken on your podcast network of choice. And let us know if you'd like to hear any certain topic on a future episode by emailing podcast at mccannhealth.com. Truth Well Spoken is produced by Dina Regab, Jason Brinkowski, and myself, Cassidy Cardone. Until next time, this has been Truth Well Spoken.